Good morning and welcome to another That AI Show. I want to stick to my material commitments of bringing you AI news and views on That AI Show. So I wanted to start with Dolly. Dolly has been getting a lot of traffic on the network, <clears throat> on the Colin network in particular. Several shows covering Dolly. It's a, it's a really cool new um, open source from OpenAI. This is one of the former former conclusions of Elon Musk, who's been in the we, huh, he's been everywhere. He's just all over the place, and he's just gone Republican. He's gone poly. He's gone political. Um, and I guess that that's his. Uh, his right, you know, I guess he's stretching his legs politically. He moved to Texas. He his is become Mr. Ultra Baby conservative person uh, compared to everything else that's being drawn into the global green left. Um, <clears throat> I guess you know he's he's concluding that that sanity is 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 lost on that level of government extremism. And it's not really suiting most people, probably not most of his needs as, a, as an entrepreneur and a billionaire, tech billionaire. So I don't have much to add to that. That's actually just a fact. He did that. <laughs> but he was involved with OpenAI, and that was his thing until it wasn't. And they came out with DAL-E. It's an AI that draws anything at your command, which is interesting. What people are doing with, with Dall-E is they are making NFTs. They're making money um, from digital art and they're taking their words and they're saying, you know, say you had a poem or a manuscript or a storyboard or a screenplay and you wanted to create something artiful about it then what you'd do is you'd run it through this algorithm and it would populate some tech picture. And depending on the words that were there, the, the words would be in the picture, but they would be kind of encoded into the picture. And I thought, that's brilliant. Because you could take a book or a story and then make the words turn into a picture. And then through the AI, you could make something really interesting so things that you never thought would happen like a song you could take a song or the lyrics of a song and and kind of like the algorithm or the the wave file of a song and then that could become an nft and you could turn that literally into money so <clears throat> i i'm really interested in this um i have things that i would like to experiment with it Again, I'm not, as I've said in the past, I'm not a Luddite. Uh, I'd like to see if I can get um, see, get some people to come to the show this morning. Um, anyways, so OpenAI has, has been one of those ethical think tanks before it went, you know, public. And one of the fruits of that tree is the... Uh, open AI. So maybe maybe I'll play with that and see how it goes as a as an experiment. 
<clears throat> I invited Swiss to come back on here to talk about what happened with the crypto disaster. I think it's just a really bad time for him. <clears throat> Sorry. It's a really bad time for crypto right now. I don't really know how they're going to manage this crisis, but they indicate that that Bitcoin and other crypto technologies with finance and fintech are fairly resilient. They just need to get through this cycle. So there are deeper reasons, I'm sure, why it's been attacked. And I think that <clears throat> I'm going to indicate China because that they're my favorite bad guy right now. China has strategic ways of uh, manipulating technologies and they sought to punish or embargo because they're the king of embargoes and censorship. Every time I feel a, a master censorship plan, I feel like it's got some roots in Chinese <clears throat> Chinese censorship because that's where it seems to be coming from. All the urban central planning for censorship seems to be coming from <clears throat> sorry it be froggy this morning. Whoop whoop. So all the master plans for urban central planner censorship using algorithms and bot farms seem to be coming from Asia and complicities with Asia. So they can find a guy to, to build whatever you want. And so I just wonder, you know, like why aren't, you know, American investors more in more more interested in things that create more possibilities and freedom. I'll give you an example. Like I was trying to use a Google or some sort of page translator and now it's just worse than it ever was. It used to be that the aim with producing a technology like a like a translator page would be to communicate more information. And so now these things are, are really choky, they're clunky, they don't work well. Um, people don't they're not really doing very much with them. And I just feel like there's a degradation of communications technologies and the way that they work as an overview. So I'm kind of noticing that as a, as a trend. So let me look at some other things that are going on here. So let's, let's stay on the communications train. So there's, there's a contact center. <clears throat> when you contact like technical support or call-in support for problems, technical issues, billing issues, things like that, you're going to want to talk to somebody at a contact center. Oh, water helps tremendously. Oh, that's so much better. Um, so when you contact a contact center, sometimes things are smooth and sometimes they're, they're like kind of really burly. I think for a while the big um, obstacle to to positive service or good service was the you know automated phone tree. Like you'd come into a call queue, and a bot would answer the phone and say, "Like if you want this, press one. If you want this, press two. And then the tree would get really elaborate and crazy. Um, so. People were really annoyed by it, so they tried to pare it down. And so they've gotten into this thing where they, they have now, just just email us. Everything is, just just email us. 
So people will send in their email, and, and if there's an attendant there that's actually attentive, that's wonderful. But it can be up to 24 hours before you get any response and say, like, you're billing or something else. So if you're having an advanced technical issue, you can't necessarily just call in, like, an 800 number like you used to. That that requires a landline, and people have kind of kind of abandoned their landlines. They've been encouraged to go into a completely wireless environment where it's 100% internet all the time, and it's not necessarily uh, the most effective. You know, and I've mentioned this before on other programs, is that <clears throat> the more we rely on the internet, things have become actually clunkier and more cumbersome. So I think sometimes a, a little bit of a regress to progress might be warranted in order to kind of function better you know, just have kind of like a, a para-analog or kind of like a, a more regressive, you know, enduring technology with better resiliency to, to take take up where these problems are, are kind of marching on because they're really sticky. So you get stuck in this call queue, and the call queue became not cumbersome enough, so they, they created this... this uh, this tree and then go find it yourself online which you know people get immediately lost in that and they give up but if you're still persistent you're like I really really need to get this problem solved you start digging and digging fast through the contact list and then you then you you send an email to support you get a support ticket ha <laughs> that's supposed to solve all the problems so, um, support centers are some of the places that, you know, on the back end are actually hit pretty hard by behavioral analytics and the people who are working underneath an algorithm that watches them it are, are it's pretty awful. Um, I had one call center experience and... <clears throat> it was under algorithm in 2000s, in the 2000s, yeah. So it was a really long time ago. But um, but it they had they had call center algorithms that were analyzing the behaviors and talk times of people who were on the phones and you know micromanaging every iota of behavioral data that they got and said you know I really want you to do this more. Try to do this more, and you're just really squeezing these people to to perform at levels that you know. I I thought it was kind of tacky to ask these people, particularly me, based on the on the pay grade to do differently. Um, because we weren't given additional tools to make things more effective, and the job wasn't any easier because it was based on persuasion. And <clears throat> and so they they didn't really they were really machining up to try to get you to to get more for their money, which you know I guess if you're an employer you could you could say that. Hey Sasha, I'm glad you joined. Um. Anyways, you know if you've ever been in that kind of environment, it feels really slavey. And so I'll just read this to you. We're, while we're still adapting on a global scale to the effects of COVID-19, everybody was kind of pushed into this, this online environment, this artificial online environment. 
Uh, we're seeing its impacts in real time across every sector. These last two years have been a time of extraordinary unknowns for businesses and customers, but as 2021 draw, draws to a close, this one thing is clear, is it's also been a process of unprecedented digital transformation and intelligent insight, especially for contact centers. 2020 was a clear turning point for the industry, and people were told to stay home, which means meant that calls to customer service centers skyrocketed and that will still be true if there's the imminent kind of like hood of a, any kind of lockdown possibles according to one survey inbound traffic for automated call assistance rose by 40 percent in the two months between february and april 2020 alone integrating new technologies to improve service and operations have been central to contact center success for decades from call routing solutions to interactive voice response. Now this trend must continue as call centers urgently need to embrace AI and digitization. Yeah. See here, the benefits of digitization and AI. I'm going to get better at that word, by the way. Um, shifting away from in-person service means that virtual assistants need to be more complex, better to handle requests from service changes and from billing and complaints. AI is no longer simply a means uh, to triage customer services, which is what we were talking about earlier. And um, now it's being used to help human agents gain informed insights, leading to customer interactions that are more personalized and efficient. In fact, a recent global study in the IBM for business value found that 97% of communication service providers, CSPs, using a virtual agent, kind of like your DM, and I chat now. Just, just chat with me or text me. Uh, for customer service, reported a positive impact for customer satisfaction. There are numerous inherent qualities to AI that make it beneficial for contact centers. For one, <clears throat> AI agents can be available 24-7, meaning that callers are not bound by the working hours of human agents. So let me just break in there. Dealing with a non-human agent to populate solutions is not not always the most effective they fall off they don't recognize your questions or demands and usually if you're contacting a contact center you actually have a real problem so being thrown it thrown into a bot thank you sasha thank you for that compliment um being thrown into the queue with a bot is is deeply unsatisfying because you don't get your answer but I think the corporation can say well I mean we touched it we touched your area of concern but it wasn't effective and the most effective thing is to regress a little bit I'm gonna say it's positive regressivism to do something that is is more solutions oriented and, and possesses better operational resiliency humans are resilient you know, you pay them, they're not always as, as tightly effective and, and, you know, it won't quantify your controls quite as much, but I think the likelihood is much higher if you hire a call center operator, even in in Mumbai or, or the Philippines, seriously, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give it up to the, to the global call center tree. You know, just a human being would be much better than relying on an AI bot check for your real real world problems on in your computing environment. 
So I'm going to vie for that. I'm going to lobby corporate ethos to, to continue to, to kind of find better solutions, go back to the humans. Um, but dealing with AI, call center AI is like from the back end is really kind of a hellacious problem or it feels problematic if you're an employee being kind of lashed by the AI, you know, see, see this like little peak here, you know, we want you to broaden your peak over here. So I want you to manage your talk time and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's just so dehumanizing. So there's, there's, there's a range of negotiation that we should be able to do in our work environment. I'm going to go back to like, maybe I'll do a whole series on like work and the AI bot slave because you're being slaved with data that's happening now you know and that's one of the reasons why I have this show is so that people who work call in who are dealing they're getting tongue lashed by by uh, by the data they're like look at your data it sucks I want you to perform more grueling tasks for less money ah so if you if that's happening to you, I really want to hear your story. Any kind of exhibition, you can write in. You can write in here on the on the call-in app. Send me a message. I'll totally read it. Um, there's there's a hundred ways to get a hold of me, and I will totally look at your story and kind of compare and contrast, and maybe we can talk about it. Um, that's why it's it's a uh, hey there, hey there, Joshua. Um, so there's a compare and contrast of like all these different, different types of systems. <clears throat> so, um, so bringing in AI also means streamlining processes and reducing time spent by human agents analyzing data and calls. So this can now be done in real time with routine tasks that can sometimes suffer from human oversights being handled faultlessly by these systems. Hmm. Why customers demand it? Ultimately, it is customer demand that will be driving this transformation for contact centers. They're driving demand for contact center solutions. I don't think they're really necessarily calling for AI. The people who are calling for it are probably business-to-business -business vendors. Those are the people calling for it. You know, they say customers, but they don't mean Joe Schmo with a real problem. They mean B2B. Customers are increasingly behaving on an omni-channel way. That's B2B. Um, or business to business. But frequently, <clears throat> having to make, make do with only multi-channel support. The rapid growth of new inbound, outbound, and self-service channels. Serve it yourself. Get it yourself with AI. Um, means that there is a risk that opportunities are lost and customers are falling through the cracks between communications channels. Or they are forced to start all over again at the back of the queue, repeating themselves every time they switch between channels. In a digital world, there needs to be a consistency across all channels. This simply isn't possible for contact centers with the, without the implementation of digital tools. While this approach may seem a luxury to some now, soon it will be necessary to maintain customers. Okay. Maybe. So another in, another important aspect is time. Even pre-COVID, the industry was reaching a tipping point with more and more customers seeking out digital touch points rather than voice calls. 
There's a very simple reason for this, speed. It's not that customers prefer not to talk to a live agent. It's that they believe it will take less time if they do it digitally. Now, I don't think that, but I know that sometimes it can be, you know, tasky to do a chat, send it off, and if, if the response time is quick, then, you know, you can get this kind of off your desk. So there is there is some salience to that argument. So, and they're right, while on the phone, live agents can only service one customer at a time. This is not the case digitally, where natural pauses and gaps in conversation means that they can chat to three to four customers at once. See how slavey it gets? Um... When working alongside a robust AI, even more customers can be serviced. There's an argument there. And a digital contact center software and AI can detect a customer's issue by recognizing keywords and immediately either route them to the right agent to handle their issue or simply link them to an online resource. Reducing customers' friction is a shortcut to improving customer experience, and many customers would rather find out how to resolve their issues by themselves. Reducing the steps to customers accessing the right information for their requirements also means empowering those customers to help themselves. So it, why would you contact a customer contact center if you could help yourself? See, this is, this is just it. <clears throat> There's a ton of these things that, you know, you pay for a service. You know, it stops, it, say it's a technical service, it stops working, you contact the service to get them to fix it, and then they're like, do it yourself. Because, I mean, they're getting the same amount of money either way. They've got these, these uh, tutorials, but you're supposed to dig through the tutorials. And they're sometimes effective, but with everything else going on, you know, there's a competition, natural competition in our culture for attention span. Like, I don't have time to dig for this article. And, or I don't have time to, you know, I want to talk to a person so that I can understand what's going on. And it's not always, like I said, I'm still going to make the argument you need to regress a little bit to resilient systems to make progress because AI doesn't fix everything okay so their argument is why it's better for the workplace you're gonna hear this again and again customers are being empowered to help themselves do it yourself customer don't make us work also leads to happier agents because that's our job to make the agents happy see here it cuts down on the number of repetitive tasks that people must be responsible for how about happier customers such as booking appointments, taking orders, or answering the same few questions repeatedly. Because of this, they're able to be more engaged in those interactions that require, truly require human intervention. I mean, that it really is a debate. Allowing their workers to tackle higher value, more complex, more rewarding tasks while letting their digital systems deal with everything else. Yet AI is not going to replace human agents anytime soon. Firstly, AI systems cannot maintain themselves Yes. And even if AI can be used to solve problems, it cannot replicate empathy or levity, two of the things that a lot of corporations don't possess anyway, but two things that can be very important when dealing with upset customers. Remember as well that when a customer is talking to a live agent, they're also talking to an ambassador for your brand. 
someone who can represent your brand on a human level, AI cannot and may never be able to serve as a substitute for that, and as such, will never be able to represent the personality of your brand. So rather than as a way of replacing human agents, contact centers need to see AI and digitization as a means to augment their workforces and their offerings, becoming more productive through supporting their live agents to do their jobs better and more efficiently. Meanwhile, customers will be seeing more of their needs met remotely, limiting direct contact to the benefit of everyone. While the pandemic is not, still not quite over, going digital means improving processes, saving money, and providing reliable means of support to your workers. Okay, so this goes this goes on and on and on. Um, <clears throat> I never personally felt... Like I was in in the company of problem solving humans when I'm dealing with an AI bot. And when you're walled off at home, let's say dealing with a pandemic, things are really frustrating as it as it was. I mean, most people are out of their their cage, their house arrest. Now, I certainly moved to a state that would not house arrest me, so that I could I could continue. Jane's Lee's government was just you know impossible. We can't do it anymore. So, um, but we bought a home in Texas where we belong and that's going to work. But I think for the future to be kind of dealing with really closeted type environment, like prison, like situations, and then forced to deal with a bot really makes you feel cut off. Like I know I feel cut off. Um, so I, I think that this is going to be kind of an enduring relational problem that we're going to have with help seeking and help getting as long as we continue to rely on contact center AI to do our stuff. That's that's like a, a real world tacky tack problem that we're going to continue to have. So I just wanted to cover it a little bit and you know, just talk at it a little bit. Um, but then I also want to look at some of these other interesting Outlayer. Okay, so so Barcelona is betting on a digital twin as a future of city planning. New scheme aims to ensure planning is based on solid data rather than a political whim. So I mean, it's it's something to think about. So this is uh this is from Politico, and they have a global policy lab of living cities. Now, in the past. The living cities, urban planning has all been kind of roped into IoT, IoT webbing, mass surveillance, uh, you know, digitized uh, identifying uh, requirements for you know central busing and you know key key and you know phone access to to buildings and public places. Uh, little geofencing for all kinds of little doodads and things like that. So Barcelona is one of these um, urban metros in Spain who's tried all kinds of interesting, innovative things, okay? And, and we learn from their examples because they are in an experimental city. Uh, they did work with microchip chipping, <clears throat> sorry, RFID embeds to try to make it seem, you know, vogue and and really you know, Vogue, <laughs> like, oh, this is awesome. And uh, so there were some people in the 
cybersecurity field. Tara Wheeler was one of them, and she she was an asshole about the fact that she got an RFID chip. She's like, "Look at me, I got an RFID chip, and I'm cybersecurity." I'm like, you're just you're an asshole. You're an asshole, Tara Wheeler. And you know th- that that's not modeling. You're exposing yourself to to all kinds of racist stuff. You're not you're not a model. You're not a model. And she ended up being one of those people who, you know, foisted herself as cybersecurity and then then turned around and did all kinds of things that, you know, didn't have anything to do with cybersecurity. I, I think she was just like a potted plant of some sort. I don't know. I think she just wanted attention. <laughs> you know, I'm a feminist. I'm going to do an anthology. I'm not going to really write a real book. You know, I'm going to rely on, you know, other women's stories and tech. Like, oh, well, you know, I have... I decided to have a baby and still work, work at Amazon. Oh my God, it was such a crisis, you know. And it's like, ah, okay, fine, you know, that's great. But I don't care about you. I I want to care about you, theoretically, but I don't. And the reason why is because it's very difficult to empathize with these women in tech because they barely empathize with the rest of us. You know, they think that we're, you know the people who use their stuff are 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 awful. Like uh, this is a classic, you know, kind of classist system. The people who use our technology are awful troglodytes, and the people who develop the technology are kings and and you know chief weirdos, weirdos and chief. And and that's kind of a weird delusion. It's a narcissistic delusion that I don't I don't think engineers have a right to entertain long term. They're supposed to develop technology as a service, software as a service to other people, but they don't serve. They serve themselves. And that's why it's bad tech in a lot of cases. They develop and architect these systems that don't serve the people that they're so they have these these kind of really passive aggressive meetings with UI and UX, user experience and user interface. You know, and these are the design, you know, feeling people that come in. People who got sick of these types of folks, particularly foreign globalists <laughs> who magically showed up in droves like, we're just going to re- employ all foreign labor from Asia and think that that's going to have zero to do with our, our you know, our architecture values. I, I'm going to step away from that for just a second. Anyways, it's still a classic fight between you, UI, UX, and the technologists. This is classic. All the way back to the beginnings of like Bill Gates, Microsoft, uh, and, and Mac. You know, the, dis- the distinctions in those two cultures, you know, endures. And, and the conflicts endure to this day. Apple made a much more diplomatic environment for a user experience and said, okay, it must serve, it must be artful, it must be, you know, a good user experience, otherwise we won't use it. And and to this day, that has served them because the customers trust them, the customers love them, the customers come back to them because they care about the user experience. You know, someone, I mean, mostly at Google, that, that's a thing as well. I mean, Microsoft started picking up more of that. 
you know, over the years. They didn't they didn't let the engineers kind of just shove shove UX off the table and stuff them in a closet till till the, like the the tail end of the production, kind of like visual effects and post. You know, they they didn't do that. They they brought them in and said, "Okay, you need to be part of the design team." And that was a massive success. You know, anytime you can get the people who use the technology or develop user interface with the technology with the actual engineering and, and coding components, that's going to work. I'm a big fan of that. So, uh, so yeah, Global Policy Lab, but th I think I'm, what I'm doing is I'm deferring the fact that we're going to talk about IoT and, and city environments. Okay, in five years' time, the structure of Europe's cities won't be decided in local town halls. They first sentence, first sentence, in five years' time, the structure of Europe's cities won't be decided in local town halls, but inside a quiet 19th century chapel in a leafy neighborhood of Barcelona using AI. Housed in the deconstructed Torre Girona chapel, the Mara Nostra supercomputer one of the most powerful data processors is already busily analyzing how to improve city planning in Barcelona. Let a computer do it. Um, we're using the super supercomputer to make sure urban planning processes isn't just based on clever ideas and good intentions, but on data. How about how about public consent? Forget all that. That's so useless. Let a robot do it. <laughs> But on, on data that allows us to anticipate its impacts and avoid the negative ones, said Barcelona Deputy Mayor Liana Bonet, who is in charge of the city's digital transition, climate goals, and international partnerships. Okay, this is, this is really important. This is one of the most important things I've read today to anyone because this is a global, globalist, green um, para-government architecture using technology. And you're going to see this again. It's like, it's like a weird kind of triumvirate. It's like globalized green tech. And that wants to put a finger, a transactional finger in everything you do. To, to get from you and to get you to do what they want. So as part of a pilot project launched within the Italian city of Bologna, which is not Spain, earlier this year, Barcelona has created a data-based replica of itself, a digital twin, twinning, where it can run, do a trial run of potential city planning projects. Instead of implementing flawed policies and then have to go back and correct them, we're saving time by making sure those decisions are right before we execute them. Well, that requires you to have a city hall. Although the scheme is still in its test phase, Bonet said that she expects the city's high-tech approach to urban development will still be, soon be the norm in cities across the EU. Within a five-year horizon, I expect to see this as a basic urban planning tool, she said, looking for blind spots. Barcelona's popular superblocks are a prime example of an urban scheme that could have benefited from data modeling in the planning stages, according to Bonet. Since 2014, the city has been creating many neighborhoods where, where through traffic and on-street parking is all but banned. 
with the goal of establishing a network of green hubs and squares where pedestrians have priority. And superblocks are also touted as a way to help tackle air pollution, which is also a way to tackle your mobility and ability to get away fast from rotten government. So, which is directly responsible for over 1,000 deaths in Barcelona each year. Mobility, people being mobile, and having freedom. <clears throat> See here, when municipal authorities commissioned the Barcelona Supercomputing Center, the BSC, the public research entity behind Mara Nostrum to analyze how successful the Superblock program had been, they were supervised to discover that its impact on emissions was negligible. Negligible. Air quality within the Superblocks themselves is better, but pollution has grown in the adjacent streets to which displaced car traffic has shifted. It doesn't mean that Superblocks are bad. They've had a imp positive impact in other ways, but it does show that they aren't a fix-all solution when it comes to air pollution, so we need to combine them with other policies if we want to lower emissions. The city hopes its digital twin will help avoid such scenarios by pointing out the blind spots before it's too late. I'm a true believer in correcting mistakes if you've made them, but in the world of local politics, it's often complicated, and remedying the problem takes time, Bonet said. Barcelona is currently using the scheme to look at how it can move closer to popular concept of the 15-minute city, which proposes people have access to all the services they need within a 15-minute walk or bike ride from their home. Using public data, we're developing an interactive map that tracks facilities and services and lets us see which part of the cities are underserved. I, I just got sensitized to it because it means we're going to find a way to manufacture a marginalized population by manufacturing it. And that they shall be called the underserved because we underserve them. Said the BSC re researcher Patricio Reyes, we can see how long it takes to access a library in one part of the city or if there is an insufficient number of primary cares in another. Reyes said that the scheme can be also be used to track gentrification trends based on the number of homestays and offered in a public or in a particular neighborhood, for example, or to identify which areas lack good access to transportation. An area with a higher number of elderly or disabled people requires a particular infrastructure. Supercomputer can factor in those metrics to really examine the accessibility within the city, said Reyes. No time for mistakes. First used by NASA in 2010 to improve a model of simulation of a spacecraft, the digital twin concept has also been employed by the healthcare sector to develop treatment for cardiac patients and by the energy industry to optimize power plant operations. <clears throat> so this is core infrastructure stuff. Very powerful. The approach isn't universally popular. Critics argue that... It lends to an unwarranted air of infallibility to data and technology and should be deployed with caution. But urban planners counter that the tool allows for more transparency and greater involvement from the residents themselves. Ah, we just talked about call centers. So when they talk about transparency and greater involvement, it means like we are going to stick you in a non-negotiable phone tree or some other, you know, one-way queue. And if the bot doesn't like you or doesn't want to take your question, well, you're just you're just pushed out. <laughs> That's how they roll. Ugh. 
Barcelona Scheme uses the open street map, open access technology, something Ray has said in, in, is in line with the EU-backed principle of citizen science, which incurs, encourages broad participation in research. <clears throat> More water. It also allows residents to get involved by using the same publicity available data, publicly publicly available data, to challenge planning decisions or suggest their own, said Bonnet. People will, will be able to use this to see what infrastructure exists around the city and use this tool to question, for example, why some neighborhoods perhaps have better services than theirs, she said, adding that she hopes to... It puts an end to choices based on the whims of politicians instead of efficiency. The perfect system. Bonet argued that the scheme is also the most efficient tool at city's disposal as they seek to make radical changes required to meet urgent challenges like climate change. Let's look at this radical changes. What the hell are they talking about? UN report. Rethink city. Reimagine. Rethink. Here we go again. Rethink cities to combat climate crisis. Climate report calls for changes in how urban areas are designed, constructed, and managed. Two sentences here. Tackling climate change will mean rethinking how cities are designed and function, according to a major report from UN's Climate Science Panel published Monday. And this was in April. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report was authored by 278 scientists from 65 countries and draws from over 18,000 pieces of research. It points out that urban areas generated between 68 and 72 percent of combined global carbon dioxide and methane emissions in 2020. Okay, so two 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 sentences there. We're gonna have to reimagine. So let's go back. So we are in an emergency situation. Okay. Emergency language right now is becoming... I feel like we're doing another Bush era 2.0. See, the neoliberals are just kind of like the flip end of the neoconservatives. And every tool that they used... You know, and I've said this before in the past. Politically, when the Republicans do something like, like fascist or corrupt the their democratic counterparts take that they make a master class out of it they they gather people around them to con- contort their brains into thinking yes this is this is the way this is the way to power and then they double down on really shitty oppressive tyrannical policy okay and it looks like this it looks like it looks like abusing the emergency authority. Now, last night, I couldn't I couldn't really get through through the uh, prototypical Tucker Carlson segment because uh, I think five minutes in I was about to pass out because I knew exactly where it was going. Medical passports, global government using medical tra- tra- transmission. Passports. I'm like, I just left this. I voluntarily left a paraglobalist um, uh, identity architecture for medicine. Just, just left it. Bye. Goodbye. And now the WHO is like, damn it, we didn't get Sheila Dean and the people like her, so we are going to 
make this global policy and force all sovereign governments to do it and get the U.S. government to enforce it. No way, Jose, no way ever. I hope I can get through this this uh, Barcelona article at Politico for the end of this hour. It's, it's becoming so strained. Anyways, they would use AI, and this is what this article really is. It's, it's saying, we're going to narrow down on this little insect person to make sure that they are doing what we want. Okay, and we're going to manipulate their identity using AI, and we're going we're gonna to call it climate change, okay? We're going to call in some, some climate Nazis from the Netherlands. Sorry, Vanderbeek, you're not a Nazi, but you want to take away our cars, and I'm not going to let you do that. Um, you know, micromanage our, our movements so that you can't get away. Don't get away when you want to. And, you know, those are radical changes. And you have a right and a responsibility to yourself and others if you don't want radical changes in the direction of global government and you know, some, to be steeped into a new serfdom where you have no rights and no freedom um, to, to speak up now before they deploy the AI bot, the supercomputer. We are in an emergency situation where we no longer have time to make mistakes, she said. To meet the 2030 climate goals, to be climate neutral by 2050, we have to get things right the first time around. That's right. Globals have to stick it. To do that, cities need to be greater, have greater access to EU funding. I don't even know what that means because uh, we'll figure that one out later. Cities are trying to take on these challenges and innovate as quickly as possible, said Bonet. But municipal coffers have limits, and we just need help, not just with funds, but with a seat at the table. You are the table with a seat at the table where they decide how to distribute those funds. It's all about public money. This AI disposal and global government is how they can get, they can just muscle you out of more money, more public money. Does anybody want to talk? It's time to talk. Welcome to the, that AI show. Blotty, Joshua, would anybody like to call in? I'll take Blotty. Bloody good, mor- good morning. Good morning. <laughs> uh, Glad to hear from you, sir. You too, <laughs> Sheila. Good to hear from you. I'm still a little bothered. I, I've been waking up all oh, night yeah. in my mom's care, <clears throat> which, you know, my job. And uh, I couldn't go back to sleep. So anyway, going back, going through this AI, I'm, I'm not going to talk much about the AI, even though you covered that. But I, what I will say is when it comes to everything, the overarching bodies of the European Union, the United Nations, and their climate change protocol and Agenda 21, which I'm pretty sure you, you, you're, you know very well, Agenda 2030. I, I truly believe it's a, it's a load of crap if people allow themselves to, to be like sheeple and be taken to the slaughterhouse by these. Okay, I'm going to stop you there because not everybody understands sheeple because they're, they're not on conservative, like, you know, 9-11, oh, truth sorry, words. Sorry, tell tell sorry. us what a sheeple is. Basically, it's another way of saying sheep to the slaughterhouse, uh, goat to the slaughterhouse, uh, ox, you know, uh, cow to the slaughterhouse. So when people are, are in a state of mind where they just follow the leader and they don't question the leader, that's usually the sheep. When they people don't rise up and challenge and they're not thinkers, that's usually the, the state, unfortunately, of our country to a certain extent. Um and that's what's going on, unfortunately, in the world. 
Uh, they're going to be using AI. Unfortunately, even Elon Musk said it not long ago, like basically almost giving a giving giving a, a warning sign, almost like Dwight Eisenhower did when he said, "Beware the military-industrial complex." Well, e- Elon said it. Beware the AI industrial complex, you know, because it's going to come and they're going to use it against us. And he and he and he discovered this, unfortunately, as he's buying uh, Twitter because he still legally has to buy it now. And what did he discover? All these, all these AI, all these bots that had given all these numbers to Biden and God knows how many other people that they made them look, their numbers exploded, made them look like they were actually, wow, millions of people. In reality, they're fake accounts for crying out loud. So I love AI in the sense that if it's going to be doing good for humanity, medicine, education, you know, banking, whatever. I hate AI if they're going to be misusing it to do evil against people. I think that's the greatest fear. That's where ethics and morals have to come in. Usually ethics. uh, uh, Ethics, hard ethics has to come in. Over-management has to come in. Because I guarantee you, Sheila, the European Union, which I hate, the United Nations, which I hate, and any any authoritarian government, kind of like that fellow that you mentioned, that's like a Nazi that wants to take away cards, they're gonna come away. They're gonna they're gonna come at us like that all over the world, especially the just more, most industrialized industrialized Western uh, civilized nations like the United let, States. Let me encourage you in a second. I want I want you I want to hear you out fully, and then I I will encourage you. Go ahead. Okay, so so basically, with the, their plan with the tw- the agenda twenty. Uh, 21, which mm-hmm. started, obviously, the pandemia or the plandemia, because it was all planned. Um, the, the, since they failed in the past with the uh, H1N1, or I think it was H1N2, the, the, the porcine, the pig virus, the chicken virus, you know, aerial, all that bullshit, and it failed horribly. So they were successful, obviously, with the COVID. So I'm assuming, based on what I've heard, that they want to propagate, they want to continue the, the lockdowns. Eventually, something's going to happen around the turn of, of the general election uh, come November. Mm-hmm. So other things are in store. They were able to fraud uh, the vote and, and, and make uh, Trump lose illegally. We have the fraudulent in the White House. Uh, a, lot of sh- a lot of signs show not only that he's demented or suffered from Alzheimer's, Unfortunately, it's that people are so stupid and so and so and 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 and, and so um, afraid. But the the problem is they're willing to choose uh, whatever candidate as long as they take Orange Man out, who tweeted horrible things sometimes. But now they're suffering the consequences of gasoline here in California. It's almost at six fifty. It's ready to go to seven by the end of the year. I wouldn't be surprised with eight. That is all part of their pandemia we have the oil reserves that have been used up god knows what 32 billion gallons i think it was if not 50 billion gallons of of the oil reserve by the time they try to replenish that and if we were to get into war the god god hopes it doesn't happen here in american soil sheila where is our, our military going to use petrol oil in case of an emergency that's why we have the reserves you know, we don't have the reserve not only which the United States usually bought it dirt cheap compared to the prices of today, 
So what are we going to do? So these guys are planning to destroy the country. We have a food shortage mm-hmm. coming up. It not, might not be really the United States because I talk to people that work in the food industry, that work in, 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 in grocery, and they've told me, we have Mexico, we have the U.S., we are in California. There's not going to be no shortage. They're referring more to what's going on in Ukraine. Unfortunately, uh, uh, fortunately, yeah, the U.S. only gets It just seems eight, like uh, we're becoming a subsidiary of Ukraine rather than our own sovereign and nation. The, the, because the, the, Biden... The, the, has oil he has oil interest in in ukraine yeah i'm tired of hearing about biden's foreign priorities so that he can make money in a correct kleptocratic manner now now i'm going to speak openly about that go ahead now now both parties are responsible there where where something's going on very very fishy let me, let, me say, let me say something uh-huh. to that, okay? There is a regulation between the State Department and the military. I've gone on other programs to talk about it because they have larger audiences, but I'm going to talk about it here, and I'm going to tell you briefly what it is. It's called NPSM-13, okay? And the State Department can invoke that regulation and to do <clears throat> what they call discretionary spending on, on foreign defense or any kind of defense priority once they get together with the cabal uh, and, and manufacturers in the Department of Defense, okay? Okay, wow. this was invoked in, in, in with cause, okay? Because we had to pay Elon Musk to shoot 53 of his satellites into space. Otherwise, the ISS, the International Space Station, was going to be weaponized uh, by Roscosmos. They were going to use it as a blunt object to throw down, literally propel from the sky onto NATO like some sort of bomb, okay, over all NATO nations. And and I think it that is one of the reasons why Sweden and Finland just joined NATO, because Putin be crazy, and he is dying. He's, ex- he's expressing his, his uh, last clutching breaths because he has a blood cancer. He was... You know, and I'm like, what the hell is going on with Putin that he's got to do this right now? Well, he's dying. That's what it is. Wow. One crazy oligarch is is clutching for, for one thing, his vision of Russia before he expires. And instead of accepting the fact that he is going to die uh, in, a, in a different way, in a healthy way, uh, he he's decided to to try to screw Ukraine one more time before he he leaves the planet. So so and that involves us and and NATO. But anyways, they were going. To, the International Space Station was this this uh, this bastion of diplomacy, and for Roscosmos to turn it into a bomb means that there was something really wrong and desperate going on with Russian leadership. That totally communicated something new to me. So this NPSM-13, they spent the money. They spent the money on the arms. They spent the money on, on, on Starlink. And then they sent Congress the bill and said, hey, go pay it. Okay, that's what that regulation means. And unless we want to undo that regulation, which we can call upon Congress, I can call upon my congressman and say, please remove the State Department's means and ways to use this regulation. You can just excise this regulation out 
so that it shall never happen again. But they are going to fight tooth and nail for that because that is how they've done this bullshit discretionary spending papered over the top of the rest of it. Why in the world did we pass a unanimous like $40 billion bill? Well, now you know why. Go ahead. The, the thing, Shayla, I, I'm hoping to add to what you just said, the MPUSN uh, 13 is, I don't know, are you familiar with the, uh, this is a weaponized, basically a jet, it's a, U, U, a UFO technology called TREB Astra. And when I say TREB, I, I don't mean the letter E, I mean the number three, TREB Astra, they call it. Mm-hmm. And and they use it in Afghanistan. There's video footage on it. It's all over the web. Who, who's they? It, Who uses it? The United States. Okay, so it's a U.S. It's a, yeah, but it's one of those anti-gravity, and it flies faster than jets. Okay. So so it, it, it wherever it goes, since it's anti-gravity, it doesn't use a, a, a technology like a regular jet, jet engines and stuff, which leaves the trail. It uses anti-gravity, anti-gravity, um, technology so it flies faster like using electricity from the air from the from the ionosphere something like that so wherever it goes it jumps so the the missiles from the enemies like the the surface to air are not able to detect it easily or quickly better than stealth in a way so it's stealthy but not using the current stealth technology that we have of mm-hmm. the f-35 the f-22 so what i'm saying with all this is there's so much stuff out there that these the United States and other countries, mostly under you know the cabal or the you know secret societies, have been working. <laughs> the United States, of course, has the leading technology. This is where, obviously, in the Bible, when it talks about the Nephilim, the Anunnaki, it becomes true. Only, only, only uh, intelligence at this level. This is again UFO. Now they call it something else. It goes by another name. I forgot what they UAP, call it. UAP, it's an un- un- yeah. unidentified aerial phenomena. There we go, there we go. Thank you. So I was looking at all You're this, welcome. and I'm like, this is why the United States is not really afraid of going, even going into a third world, sorry, into a third world war, if they have to go against Russia or China, because enough of these aerial, aerial you know, um, machines argument. that go in there, they they could blast their way, preventing a third world war. In a way, does Russia have anything like that? I don't know. I, I mean, these UFOs, these Anunnaki, they appear anywhere underground in the air, whatever. They come from hell for all I care because that's what they are. And and they've they they've been able to empower. They work with Satan, Lucifer. If you want to believe in the Bible? Yeah, and and I've that. I've been kind of you know. Let me respond to that just very quickly. The the ideology behind a lot of UFOlogy and things like that is based on Gnosticism. Yeah. So, so when we're, we're talking about arconic uh, conflicts with Nephilim and and you know the Book of Enoch and things like that, that's uh, Manichaean uh, Gnosticism. Go ahead. And so I do believe that eventually, when this gives all way through, I mean, they're they're using the climate change. It's it's a form of 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 international global socialism. They don't want to be challenged on the climate change. No, like they right want to go back to, to, to serfdom, where you are just basically exactly. a slave living on their, their property. You know, they're right, we're wrong against council culture, politically correctness, all that woke nonsense. 
They want to have the last word. We don't say anything. We're wrong. We don't got the science. It's all left-wing bullshit. That's what I'm saying. And I tell people, even though both parties are being played by the cabal, secret societies, all that, and, and I, I'm, I, I tell people, is it time to just let go of both parties? Because I don't think there's going to be a true purge where you're able to clean them up. I know there's good Democrats, like there's great Republicans, but I, I don't, I, we, I, I don't know where the damage is at so far. Is it even worth purging? Because in order for a country to, to, to exist and our, our, our constitution here in America to flourish, we need to take different measures where these bastards are taken out of power. And and uh, and the cabal is flushed out of from wherever it's hidden. It's within government. It's within the institutions. Yes, it's within business. That's another thing. Business has become a threat. Like somebody else was saying, we don't have a true capitalist free society. We have a mercantile. It's basically yeah, the it's have and the have not. No, you're right. You're right. It's it's mercantilism. Yeah. yeah. And so, and what's so and, uh, and what's, you know. Anytime, go ahead, go I'll ahead. just I'll just jump in and and you know I want to encourage you. Listen, we got in a massive windfall. I think that um, I mean Elon Musk, the most prosperous man in the world right now. I mean, God has opened his eyes for real, and he has seen something. Okay, he works with the space programs. And he's out in Van Horn blasting off these units. I'm sure of it. I'm sure he saw something. I sure, I'm sure that he came across some sort of uh, important piece of, of eye-opening uh, intelligence or wisdom or something that caused him to understand acutely that there is another plan for this planet and it's not meant to go the way of individual rights and freedoms that you have enjoyed during your lifetime. So it is very, very overarching. So I, I fully support this new, um, this new vanguard to kind of rectify the balances. Um, And that kind of reminds me of, of that scene in, in Tron where, you know, there, there's a there's kind of a theme in the Neutron Legacy where these big machines come up and uh, the recognizers, okay, and they pick people up based on individuals. They pick up individuals and they assess them based on their identity disks. And then the, if they're a program, you know, what type of program are they? And programs are people. And so... They have two categories once they're caught by the the recognizer cops, these big machines that like scoop up these stray programs off the street, and they they put them, you know, because you know these programs are just trying to get along about their business, but you know they might be out of place or just you know they're just kind of stragglers or strays or whatever, but they get grabbed by these recognizers, and they said, okay, well we're gonna just do whatever we want with you. So they have two two modes. The binary modes is uh. Rectify or games, okay. And if you get thrown in the in the games, it's like going to the Colosseum and being thrown in with lions in, in, during Tron, you know. And uh, if you are the free man, then you probably get splattered into a bunch of eight bit dust. So um, that's kind of high concept, but it's not. 
you know, we're regressing into a form of uh, feudalism where we're, uh, we're, it's identity-based, or as that one guy called in at one point and says, no, this is an identitarian, blah, 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 you know? He was hysterical. I hope he calls back. Um, but, you know, he doesn't want to be kind of conformed into the identitarian uh, use. He doesn't want to be conformed into a, a coin. But, but I think he was making some arguments about the way that Marxism is applied, which is an economic system. It's not necessarily – socialism is the political counterpart, right? That's what we're all complaining about. We're, we're complaining about the practical application of Marxism and, and, uh, and socialism because socialism is communism and it hasn't worked. It hasn't gone our way. But people keep going for it. And um, right. the people who would use AI for, for harm, for, for mass global construction, are socialists because that's what, that's what China has done. And instead of marveling at the fact that this is, this is a way to lose your identity, people look at it as a path to power. Well, they, well not only that, Shayla, but if, if, you, if you consider... All this push, like we had Ron DeSantis, the, why did they make a big deal about the parental rights bill for uh, parents of it in education? Why did they call it Don't Say Gay when the bill has nothing to do with gay? Why are they pr- promoting the transgender all over? Was it misinformation, Was it misinformation to call it that? Well, well not only is obvious <laughs> an act of misinformation, but if you really look at why is it that they're bent on confusing children? Why do you why why do they resort to drag queen story hour at the library wherever they are able to get away with that crap? Let me tell you something, Shayla. I don't know how I, I'm pretty sure that's how they're operating, and I'm going to be a little bit racial without being a racist. I'm pretty sure they're able to get away with that shit with white Anglo-Saxons, but I guarantee you, uh, Shayla, over here in East Los Angeles. Um, in the East Los Angeles area of Los, of Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, they can't pull that shit on it. They can't pull that crap among Latinos. They won't get away with it. The, the very gangs will come in and beat the shit out of them. Oh, yeah. They, they won't make it shit. to the parking lot. You, you know, the misogyny that still exists among, among Mexicans is so strong that that's why they're pro-Trump. And, they're, and, and they, a lot of Latinos have become Republican. I'm like, they're not going to stand for this bullshit. I mean, that is the most precious thing. Like, it should be like it for is, anybody. I'm, I'm actually marveling at, at, at it's astonishing. I'm so proud. I mean, I'm not La Raza or anything, but I'm like, yeah, you go. But, go home, but th- th- this is the area. This is what I, th- what I tell my white friends. Where you guys are not able to stand, where they're attacking right privilege, all this shit, we'll stand for you. Try to come at me with that bullshit. Try to come at you, whether rich or not, or black or anybody. We won't go for that nonsense. Because I, I, like my teacher from Indiana, um, he told me, I think it was Dr. Bowles, he tells me uh, one time when I was taking a gerontology class in, in uh, PCC, right here at Pasadena City College years ago, I took a gerontology 101 class because, you know, for my mom's care. And uh, he was encouraging people to get into nursing, this and that, yada, yada, yada. He went out and he threw out his white privilege, but in a, in a mocking manner. And, this and what man, happened to him? Th- 
Well, I mean, the the girls, the mostly girls, I was probably like maybe one or two guys in there. They were laughing. They were like, that's your white privilege? He goes, yes, I came out from Indiana. I was poor. I came to Los Angeles. I worked. I went to community college. I went to Cal State LA, and then I got my master's. It took like 12 years, and here I am. I worked in the hospitals. I got, I'm a nurse practitioner. But that's my white privilege. I had to suffer and earn it. I did not get it because I got it handed down because I'm a Oh, he was center. making a, a like a like a parody. Exactly. Okay. And yeah. he looked at me and goes, What about your white privilege, Roddy? I go, Well wait a minute. I know I am part French and part Spaniard, so maybe we'll dig in and maybe it'll be zero 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 something percent. I go, because I came out of the brown man, I go. But I, I, I go, I hope you guys go don't go down, I told him. Honestly, because this is the attack not only against all of manhood, because they hate all of manhood. There it is. That's that's the nut right there. That is all of human, human, all of mankind, all of all of all of us. And I think that that's something that's kind of become. I had to come away from the haze of some of the genocidal agitation. That that is an electric issue for me. It really is. But instead of saying I'm going to narrow down on on a genocide that is that is not happening. I'm only going to zero in on genocides that are actually happening. Okay. Exactly. Because, because the left is, 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 is good at, at, now, at creating today. all sorts of boogeymen. Go ahead, Sheila. Well, I mean, I'm saying that, that, that genocide is real. And one of the problems with, with genocide in the world is that, you know, it comes for, for identified populations that have fallen out of favor with the ruling government and any one of us can be put in that pod for any number of reasons right now it it does seem like the democratic party has gone so far to the left that they've actually become communist and you know if i can just say it out loud i think they've become functionally communist and allied with you know indirectly with the ccp catering to their interests, catering to their special interests, catering to their technologists, catering to their bullying, and catering to the narcos, catering to, you know, and it just goes on and on and on, okay? They're, we are supposed to have an advocate in our government. They are disperforming the role of that government. And when the midterms are over i have an expectation of the incoming crop of republicans which are it's going to be a red landslide dude um i i, I, I really hope so and and i really hope they I work cross together myself and say to, to, it will be a red to, landslide no no i i am putting my faith after god yeah. in this Woof. and i and i hope that they impeach both of them not one of them that they impeach both of them, and when they try to place uh, the Speaker of the House, whoever it might be, including Nancy, they impeach her too immediately, and it forces into a re-election immediately. Not wait till 2024, like now, like in 2023. Yeah, I mean, there could be I, a snap election, and I floated that. I said, listen, guys, this we can't do this. We can't do inflation. We can't do a totalitarian you know, power grab by the WHO. For no reason. They are scrambling. They are scrambling. They're losing their pandemic because the pandemic is going away. It is no longer a reason to rule. Okay? And that is, you know, there's nothing like a dwindling power that causes people to claw and scratch and scrabble and, and, and work hard to, to manifest the level of self-importance and, and control that they once had. Okay? And so 
the WHO is, is scrambling rah, to get that right now, just like Putin's scrambling to not die and throw the ISS onto to NATO. Okay, when people get threatened, they act irrationally and, and over overwhelmingly. They they want to overwhelm you with with the irrational grab for power. So if you can just endure this um, and and make a responsible request to your government, bloody, I'm so so glad you called in. Because the, this this AI show is really about you being able to complain about what the AI is going to do to you. And so if you get someone <clears throat> behind the seat of, of an irresponsible or to, to irresponsibly apply artificial intelligence, um, an animated film called Nine. Uh-huh. You know, and man, there's been many. There have been many films about... Robots and weaponized AI. The Terminator series is basically about Skynet, about weaponized AI allowed to, to just go run amok. People have existential fears about what men do when they're when they have automation at the helm of hugely destructive devices. Okay? And so we have to go into the future with a clear eye towards that and, and definitely while we have the time and the, the ability and the power to to implore I, our associates, try to persuade people, persuade our government uh, as we can to to concede to us and say, you know, this shall not be. Uh, we need to rope in. And, and that regulation, I want it to stay in your mind, the NPSM 13. We need to go back and thin out all of those Patriot Act, um, you know, those those Bush era 9-11, you know, bank of terror type policies that were used to strangle American freedoms. Okay, they were way too much and they, they favored global global government. Okay? They didn't favor American sovereignty. They they predisposed us and exposed us to, to the whims of global government. And I'm like, how did this happen? Because Bush is a globalist. And so we're not conceding to that at all. They they came in. We were not able to get rid of it. So we've got a, an overly self-important bureau of state. The intelligence aperture got way too much power. Okay, they were never thinned down or kicked back into the, their their mission, which is okay. Foreign directed mission, foreign directed mission, foreign directed mission, and then some of those offices just need to go away. They just need to go away. All right, DHS needs to go away. It can get splintered off into its, you know, we used to have immigration. You know, we used to have, that used to be an office. And it used to be something that, you know, where we had prior complaints like, you're not enforcing enough. That I think that, that complaint is going to endure. But right now, we have someone who's disenforcing all immigration. And he's forfeiting on any he's not going to even look at the border he's not looking at all he's turning his head the other direction on purpose as a belligerent act of contempt against the united states people sheila can i cut in go ahead what i would like to see in the next congress that i hope that they work like the democrats where even though they're against or they they disagree that they work in unison in everything that they, they do an morning. overhaul they they do an overhaul United, do an overhaul, but at the same time criminalize. You dare mess with the economy, 
when a previous president left it intact? Treason, death, capital punishment, treason. You dare mess, mess with, with the nation in any way where any foreign entity come in, sovereign, sovereignty? Treason, automatically. They well, got to put it in United, the United, and they can repeal that. I have a whole list of garbage out. You know, here here is the garbage. You need to take it out. Citizens United, not, you know, enemy number one, okay? The the Bush uh, counterterror policies and, and laws that need to be thinned out and, and reformed and kicked out. Because, you know, Washington never never likes to, like, get rid of anything. They want to hang on to it. Like, oh, I'm going to cling to it for nostalgia. And it's like, this is worthless law that's taking our freedoms, okay? But they, they can't be told that. They're very egotistical about law. Very egotistical. Okay? And if Bro. it doesn't help the people, they don't care. But the Real ID Act needs to go. Um, 90% of the DHS law needs to go. And we need to renovate that agency so that it becomes something else because Homeland Security was just – it's just the American Gestapo. When in American history did we touch people's genitals in order to fly? Wow. Okay? That's what they do. Okay? I avoided it for like nearly 11 years. But I, I did it once or twice just to come back to Texas to get my house. And I didn't – I did not go in that scanner. But I, I got – Touched by the damn TSA. It's wow. fucked up. Ugh. And they let an AI do it. They let an AI take pictures of people's genitals and send wow. them to DHS. That's what they do. do you, I mean, do you refute this? It's going on right now. And the and the cows, you want to talk about sheeple? They tried to shame me in line. They tried to shame me in line. And they're like, they're like, you're refusing to do this? And this was in Texas, you know? Like, you're refusing to get in there and and conform to, like, anti-terror? You want to be a terrorist? I'm like, I'm not a terrorist because I don't want DHS to take a picture of my crutch. And I said... They want free porn. Shit, what the fuck? (laughs) There's already free porn. Porn is free. (laughs) Porn's already free. I'll, I'll be honest, they don't. They don't want to take. They don't want to take a picture. They don't want to take a picture of me. I'm not Ron Jeremy. I'm not one of the famous guys. Well endowed. They're not going to want to take pictures of me. There's a reason why I didn't make it into porn. You know. But I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to give them that that right over my dignity on whatever parts of my body. You know. I'm not. I, I think I'm, Ron I'm, Jeremy has an AI. I, I think I heard something about that. About oh, that. That, that guy! That guy's something. He's he's locked up. I feel, yeah, it's unfortunate. Unfortunately, his the lifestyle he took. Uh, if it's true that that what he did of the things that he did to twenty, thirty women, but in that industry, I wouldn't doubt it. Even though, despite that's the topic, and I don't want to deviate. The whole thing is what I'm saying, Shayla, is that in this in their androgyny, in their androgyny to try to confuse the whole world, and they're bent on it. We have to fight it tooth and nail, whether it's CRT, whether whether it's uh, 1619. It's only part of the problem. It's not the problem. The greatest problem is LGBTQ. That's the biggest problem. Well, I mean, I don't, then, I don't think that this whole rainbow, like, super Chevron coalition with, like, the, the Marxist, you know, racist. Um, okay, that, that's all. I feel like that's all Chinese, like, Malaysian policy. I, I really do because they don't understand our culture. 
And it's, it's just so bloated because these were – okay, the trans community is a micro-minority. They didn't have the numbers, so they manufactured numbers through indoctrination of our children somehow. They manufactured – okay, because the, the minority but, 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 was but so Gina, small. When you, when, when you have a They had to manufacture majority. a 4,000% spike in that population in order to be a minority. And when, then, uh, she, she, go ahead. She, sorry, let me chime in. But when you have a great number of the population indoctrinating and in favor, I have a friend who's a former teacher, master's degree, a genius. This guy's in the philosophy major, and he was teaching at Ali Unified, and he left it. You know why, Shayla? Because the teachers are battered. The, the students have more power. He could even talk about the gay agenda if a student brought it up honestly. Without him immediately seeing a repercussion, seeing uh, the vitriolic attitude from the students, if he dared say something that was that was anti-gay, and something in my generation, I'm Gen X, 49 years of age, and I and I never once saw anything like that. I saw the opposite. I never joined in. You know, I maybe. Well, I mean, tolerance Spanish. doesn't even mean what it means anymore. Like to tolerate people's discussion would be just to let them allow them allow them to speak. And have their to air whatever it is that they're going to say, and and then move on, because you know that you can see by my modeling that's I have a functional tolerance. Like people come onto the program, I don't endorse their beliefs, but I listen to their beliefs. Okay, I refute their beliefs if I don't agree, but I I allow their beliefs. Okay, there are plenty of people who have beliefs. I am not personally challenged by another person's beliefs. Even when I am personally attacked, which has already happened, um, you know, I, 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 to tolerate people is to allow them to be whatever it is that they, they are. I mean, Johnny Garza doesn't come on the show because he can't agitate me. Okay, he, he wants complicity. He wants somebody to join his radical revolution. And I'm like, I'm not going with you, Drew. I'm not going. Because I don't want a radical. I, it turns out, at the end of the day, right now, at this period in time, I am not very radical. I am somebody who wants to dig in and tell the radical folks, no, no, I'm not going to help you. Because I'm a reasonable person who lost rights during the COVID pandemic I lived their shit policy. I lived it. I lived it. And because I know I have foreknowledge based on location of what they do, how they operate, I have to do things very, very differently in Texas. I see the little seeds of what they've got going on over here. It does not work. So... Now I get to protect where I live, which is still sane, okay? But I get to go to City Hall and tell them, uh, do not go along with this or here are your consequences in your society. And if those are not acceptable outcomes, this is what you do. If they are acceptable outcomes, here is where I fight you, right? Okay, and, and that's a dialogue. Well, it's still a dialogue. When it's a totalitarian situation, is like that, that, that conversation has already ended. It's conform or die, conform or get cut. Okay, and 
we're we're there with many parts of our society conform or get cut so this anti-partisan rhetoric is is making a margin of most of america okay and the there's no elite they're just self-important totalitarians in the congress who's who made a bad decision they could retreat from this decision and reorganize to to defer to more domestic objectives okay they won't do it because the pocket money is coming from technologists global technologists and global totalitarians from china okay that's actually where their nascar money is coming from and it's not coming from us they've got the power because of us and our electorate but it's not coming from us and so they'll vote up anything that will let them stay where they are and be corrupt uh but you know the only way to excise them is at this point is through elections I don't, i'm not calling for any kind of violent revolution or anything like that <clears throat> but when i say i'm coming for them i mean i'm i'm coming to sitting hall i'm coming with legislation i'm coming you <laughs> see those are very conventional things you know well, that's not, well, not ooh ooh i'm coming with lawyers <clears throat> you know that's not guns and ammo that's not she, like she, the she alamo not. go ahead i believe that we first have to exhaust all legal means constitutionally including i think it's article 5 of the 36 states convention before any any uprise of arms using the second amendment which they are of course they attacked this week because unfortunately the the uh racist Dem democrat <laughs> uh, member of a, of a white racist in buffalo new york but of course they didn't say nothing uh, to the black racist from subway in the month of april they didn't say oh, nothing right they totally they, overlooked uh, the yeah. uh the 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 CC agitated CCP operative that went in and blew up a Taiwan church. Exactly. That just did, that got no airtime. I mean, that, well, it got a little bit of airtime on Fox, but you know, th that got zero airtime. So, I'm going to spend lots of time on any programming that I have taking a nice big dump on anything that has anything to do with PRC China. Just do it as well. as a as a ah! <laughs> because yeah. they're over here trying to censor Americans. Exactly, and I mean to 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 be threatening even their own, and I and believe it or not, uh, Shayla, uh, I experienced it personally uh, when I was going to a Korean church because I'm I'm still Presbyterian, right? I have a very mixed back, back, background in Christianity, and I one time experienced it. We were in in the area called uh, uh, Puente Hills, like the Puente Hills, Roland Heights, uh, in, in the industry area, and we were out based in a warehouse. And I, I, I went up, I got there late, and, and it was almost over, and I talked to my pastor. I go, what's going on with the, with the, with the Chinese? He goes, He's, she's from Taiwan, and she's from China. And I, I totally overlooked all that, obviously because I don't speak Chinese, and I don't know enough. So what did I experience? They were going at it. It's like whatever it was. I go, wait a minute, you're going at it. You're supposed to be sisters in the Lord. He goes, hold on. They've been having this for a long time, and it finally blew up. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow. So this was like communism versus capitalism. It's, for, like, it's communism versus sovereign uh, territorial China, actually, yeah. Chinese statesmanship. And um, the fact that that's it's really a thing, man.
And, and, I, and, and honestly, I, I, I said, wait a minute, I thought you guys were all Chinese. He goes, yeah, but you got the free Chinese that, that have had it all free and Chinese. have been able to. And then you got the ones that have always been the sheeple and the, the feudalist, you know, system, the serfdom. Mm -hmm. And they didn't see eye to eye. Some of them don't see eye to eye. And this is what we got to go. What kind of example are you guys setting up for other Chinese that are coming in and are looking at this nonsense? I go, because it doesn't look, not, it didn't even look like a regular, uh, Americanized version of an argument with people that are allowed. It kind of looked more controlled. And I was like, but you could tell that they were looking at each other like tense with tension. There was tension there, but they didn't there's, fight. There's, a, there's some trauma there, dude. Don't get in it. Don't let, let them yeah. just have their moment because like they, no, oh, they're yeah, working yeah, yeah, it yeah, out. Yeah, of course. They're working it out. Yeah. I, I could not step in and he said, I'm going to let them talk because he, you see my, 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 that pastor at the time, uh, Kwang Yang Park, a very wonderful person. He studied in China, being from Korea, mm. he studied acupuncture. So he knew how to communicate with them. But he, he looked at me, he told me, <laughs> to he, he told me, man, man, stay out. And I go, no, I am staying out. That's not my beat. You know, I've been taught to, to, to pick, to pick my, my battles. I go, I, I can't get into that. I go, it's just this interesting that I've never seen this happen, that I'm basically seeing East versus West in a way. Uh, Taiwan is basically almost a Western country, and they, they don't have, they other than the language and, 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 the, and the, that they're in the cultural, ethnicity, everything um, of China, they're basically Westernized. They're free people. And, and I go, and I never, I never thought, I would, never would imagine that this would it, it happen. And it was basically the Chinese communists was basically uh, uh, reproaching and, and pissed off. Why probably that? Why she lived better and this and that because of values. I go, the values of the the Taiwanese and probably the Taiwanese has a condescending attitude. That's all I could imagine. I'm not correct in what I'm saying in my assessment because I don't speak the language. But oh well, I learned. I saw. I didn't get beat up. It wasn't my fight, but it, it hurt me to see it in church. That's yeah, I yeah. Do. I mean, all strife. Hey, you know what? You know what's really? I think the. You know, I'm just gonna donate something here. Um, I go to church occasionally, like on Sunday, and pastor was really good. A good pastor, and he told me read the Bible, Proverbs, every day. And if you can, read it aloud to yourself every day. Like the date, there are 31 Proverbs, so you can have one every single day. Read a chapter of Proverbs every day. Yeah. I, and, got, I, got, taught, I got taught in a class that if you do uh, your devotional, uh, Proverbs has perfect 31 days. Yeah, it's got 31 chapters, so you can do, like, one every single day. And chapter 18 is about eating the fruit of your mouth, which I'm going to figure out how to do that. I'm going to figure out how to do that, because you can do it. And about, basically, the origins of strife and what to do about it. So 17 and 18 are about the origins of strife and how to eat the fruit of your words. Yes, that's Sophie. That's my, my CRT producer. She wants she wanted to say something. Hey Sophie. Thanks for joining us. Sophie Sophie decided to take a take a nap today, so she she didn't come in to, to help me until late. 
but she she likes to join the show frequently. So uh, Citizens United, Ricky Bobby. Hey, uh, hey, Josh, I totally appreciate that that comment. Ricky Bobby, little baby Jesus, little baby Jesus, please, please keep keep us from strife. And thank you for this delicious food. Did you ever see um, <clears throat> the the Legend of Ricky Bobby? No, with, no, I'm not familiar. With, with Will Ferrell. Oh, no, okay, you know, with, with well, it's actually a really great, very, very funny movie with Will Ferrell. It's about NASCAR. Uh, oh, and that's he, the one. Okay. Yeah, NASCAR, and and basically his sponsors have sponsored like all this fast food, and they're sitting around at the table, and they got like three three Domino's pizzas, a stack of these like fast food burgers, and it's it's all sponsored food. It's all catered. And, what a lot uh, <laughs> Right? And so they're sitting there with, you know, they're in their NASCAR uniforms and they're praying over their food. And and uh, he, he prays to the baby Jesus. He doesn't pray to, like, you know, regular Jesus. And he has to stop and start his prayer, like, four different times because his kids are brats. And... <laughs> Really it kind of reminds me when I worked years ago in Starbucks, and we had a we had a, a a common thing with the people that worked at a relationship, a common relationship with the people at, at, at Domino's and Pizza Hut and Pollo Loco and Fat Burger, and every week they would come in and they would ask us, "Do you guys want?" They would call in and they would ask for specific people, "Hey, do you guys want to have?" And I was like, "Oh shit, free dinner." But of course, they would come in and get like about 16 drinks. And I was like, uh, cool. You know, I caught on to that because I saw my supervisor do it. And I was like, well, I won't tell if you won't tell, you know. Uh, you scratch my back off. I don't, I don't you know, know about that. I don't know about that. I, 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 know, I, I, know, I, I do know that I have to wrap up pretty soon. We've been going well, like over, oh, like an hour and a half. That was way longer than I intended to. But this show has been so good. I want you to come back. I want you to talk to me. Joshua, do you want to add some words before we get out of here? You know, I'm going to take take a few words from Joshua if he wants to talk. Because he, he's been a consistent, pretty consistent talker. Your choice. I hope he's still with us. Um, hey, I had, a, I had a question. Oh, there he is. Wait, bloody. We're going to let ahead. Joshua talk and wrap out the program. I really appreciate you. Please come back. Hey, Joshua. I, I don't have much to say. I, I, I'm tired after this conversation. <laughs> I, to, I can't imagine why. <laughs> I don't know how to enter the weekend. Uh, I I don't want to be deleted over the weekend. I'm now afraid why that my digital... Why would you be deleted? My why digital twin. Like, I'm not going to actually be deleted. Like, Eric Prince from Constellus isn't coming looking for me down here wherever I am. Um, so I'm not worried about being actually deleted this weekend, but I'm fine if my digital twin gets deleted, um, cause I don't really want to be a hologram, um, before five years from now. Um, so pretty excited about that. Um, but it was a very good program. Uh, we Thank have you. to talk, we have to talk about the identity politics at some point because Why? I want, everybody I just else want does it. Real- Everybody else is doing it. I don't know if I want to do it. 
I don't want to do it either because I'm, well, I just, if I'm going to get canceled, I want to get it done quick. Like, I just want a quick death, like a warrior's like, death. Like, do it right. Um, right. Like, I just, so that's, uh, that's all I'll say. And maybe we should, I pretty think you, you called out Vanderbeek, which I'm like, okay. <laughs> and that's an honorable stuff. measure. We've hassled each other. He, he, he sees value in my program and I also see much value, much value in listening to his program. But I okay. actually, ended, I ended up in a roommate situation with somebody from the Netherlands and they do not understand the value of of auto, <clears throat> of of auto transportation to the American soul. They just don't get it, man. Uh yeah, you really can't unless you live here. Uh but we are very wed to our cars. Yeah. And he do, he uh, doesn't care about our joie de vivre either. But that's not, you know, American joie de vivre is not not the uh the high council of of um of a person from the Netherlands. The Dutch don't, don't necessarily care about our joie de vivre. We are not perceived as the bastion of intellect. Um we are perceived as very and, very militant. Well, you know, I mean, I get this. I get this from you know that people from Europe, Europe seem to think that we're troglodytes, but I, I don't necessarily think that so much. You know, after dealing with so many of them, they want us to do what they want. I think I think that's well, the majority of it. And anybody who who is trying to get you to do what they want is going to try to top you in some way. You know, and it, it's not because that they look down on you, but it's just because they want to make utility of you. When you have a great power like the United States does, they want to make utility of you. They want to get on your back and put a rain in your mouth and, and drive you. Okay? Well, it's a, so it's, it's kind it, of an indirect compliment. It's a backhanded compliment from, from Europe that they want to do that. It's a backhanded compliment that they all ran into the NATO tent this week. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't look down upon them or cast dispersions on them for, for the needs that they have. Or, or, you know, the ways that they do things necessarily. I'll tolerate, you know, their insults and their speech. <clears throat> but, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let them get on my back and drive me. That's it. Will you, will you eat their freedom fries? I don't eat, even eat my own freedom fries. With poutine on the them? Option. Yeah, I'm not poutine in that, that in my mouth. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to let you go. you got to wrap up your show. Have a good weekend. I do. I do. Thank, yeah. you, thank you both for joining us. You, you've really made a good thing. Thank you. Thank you for joining that AI show. We'll be back on Wednesday, somewhere between 8 and 10 next week. Thank you for joining.